Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you quick tips to help you self-soothe, not only for you, but for your children. I'll also be interviewing Hunter Clark Fields, who is an author, mindfulness mentor, and host of the Mindful Mama podcast. In today's episode, Hunter reviews her book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. This book gives you powerful mindfulness skills for calming your own stress response when difficult emotions arise before you respond to your child. For more information about Hunter, please visit www.mindfulmamamentor.com. You may also purchase your book on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Self-soothing behaviors for you and your kids. The concept of self-soothing has been around for quite a while. What essentially self-soothing means is, well, just like it sounds, you soothe yourself. When we experience very powerful emotions, we do something. Whether it's healthy or unhealthy, we do something to soothe those emotions so that they don't become too overwhelming. What most people don't realize, though, is self-soothing behaviors actually derive from your five senses. So the five senses are your sense of sight, your sense of hearing, your sense of smell, your sense of taste, your sense of touch. When you were a child, what calmed you down when you were struggling? In other words, what soothed you? Was it your blanket? Was it your pacifier? Was it a certain song? Was it the smell of your mother's perfume? Or something you watched? Something worked for you. So when you think about that, whatever worked for you was based on one of your five senses. Your sense of touch would be your blanket. Your sense of taste would be your pacifier. Your sense of smell would be your mother's perfume. Your sense of hearing would be the music. Your sense of sight would be that mobile above your bed. Now, of course, there are additional senses that you use for some of these, but you want to think about the primary one that worked for you the most as a child. (laughs) What were you known for, essentially? So with that, that's something to be aware of because as an adult, you use that same exact sense to self-soothe. So as an adult, think about what you do right now when you have a lot of emotions. And so the goal today is to teach you that whatever your primary response is, or in other words, your primary self-soothing behavior is, think of it from one of those senses. And then with that, you can ask yourself, is it healthy? And if it's not healthy, because remember, we're thinking long-term, not short-term. So short-term would be the instant fix you get so you don't have to feel something, but then there are negative consequences that come along with it. Whereas the long-term is doing short-term techniques, but still net you a positive result in the long run. So that's what I mean by that. So if you find that whatever sense you use, whatever you do based off of one of those five senses isn't healthy, well, the cool thing is, is that now you know which sense to really focus on. So what do you do to get that same self-soothing behavior outcome, but done in a healthy way. So that's where you'd really hone in on that particular sense and say, what are healthy options for me? Because that was your default as a child. So more than likely, it's going to be your default now as an adult. So really think that through. And as you do that, you'll recognize that there are probably a lot more options than you realized, but it's so important to realize which sense is your primary sense you use for self-soothing behaviors. And that will open up new doors for you. So then you can focus on what are some healthy alternative ways in which to self-soothe with that five cents. 
The same thing is with your children. When you look at your children, which one of their senses is their default? And when you can figure that out, you can help them explore what are some healthy ways in which they can use that sense to self-soothe. Now, sometimes people will say, well, I have multiple versions of that. Okay, well, that's fine. But then you want to focus on what's your primary ones. So if it's a hybrid of some sort, what are healthy ways to use a hybrid of those two senses or three senses that may be different than some of the dysfunctional ones that you're using? So this is important information to really focus on that because once you're aware of that, you'll learn how to healthily self-soothe and not repeat those dysfunctional or unhealthy patterns. I have a wonderful guest today, Hunter Clark Fields. In today's episode, she'll be talking about mindfulness practices that a parent can do in the moment to help them reset and to refresh themselves when they feel so overwhelmed with their children. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. My guest today is Hunter Clark Fields, who is an author, mindfulness mentor, and host of the Mindful Mama podcast. In today's episode, Hunter reviews her book, Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids. This book gives you powerful mindfulness skills for calming your own stress response when difficult emotions arise before you respond to your child. Welcome to my show, Hunter. Thank you for having me, James. I'm happy to be here. I am looking forward to this. I was reading your information and I love the fact that you have so much great, you have amazing content that's helpful for so many people. But for you, how did you even get into this field? Oh, I needed it desperately. <laughs> that's usually what happens. <laughs> I, um, I got interested in mindfulness as a teenager. I had really sort of struggled my whole life with like, ups and downs, like really falling into sort of these pits of feeling like life was overwhelming mm -hmm. at a very regular basis in my life. And, you know, my, I'm a highly sensitive person. My father is too. And, you know, I just thought, you know, he, he even told me once, he said, this is just part of your artistic nature and life is going to always be like this. Mm, <laughs> it's like, great. Thanks dad. <laughs> <That's> uh, <helpful. laughs> but he was kind of right. And I, I started learning about mindfulness as a teenager. I started reading books and I think I started, I read so many books. I read books for decade, good decade <laughs> wow. college courses. And then finally I started my own meditation practice and it really was a big game changer for me as far as giving me so much more equanimity, um, being able to just kind of ride those waves. And, and that was great. And so I had like a good year and a half of that. And then, and I remember then I got pregnant and I remember being pregnant with my first daughter sitting in a meditation group and like being like, oh yeah, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> She's going to so be funny. so calm and this is going to be great. Look at us. We're meditating. And, um, and she was like, lo and behold, she's also very highly sensitive and was a really intense baby mm. and an, an intense birth and intense baby. And then when she started walking and talking, she really had some 
<laughs> problems with the way I was parenting her and she had some major resistance to me. And, you know, it was just so, so much harder than I thought it was mm -hmm. going to be. And I had all this like anger and, you know, the temper that was coming out of me was like, you know, it was exactly what I didn't want. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what, you know, my, I had, I had my own childhood, right? It was this oh, interesting. Like, okay, so generational that. Mm -hmm. pattern that was repeating itself. Sure. Like my father's intense, scary temper. And, um, I could see I was scaring her. So I really, to, for me, that was a big wake up call to, to really dive back into my d mindfulness practice to bring it more into my life. And then you know, I had to, I had to then also learn like what to say, because it's funny because there's this uh, sort of like perception in the mindfulness world that if you can just like get your practice and you can like calm your reactivity and then you'll just naturally say something better, <laughs> which, you know, maybe is true for some people, but for me, it wasn't. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I just said some you know, thing my parents might've said to me, which she had all, you know, like turned her into this ticking time bomb. So I saw that I really needed the skillful communication. Like I really needed to learn some parenting skills that were, you know, that would cultivate communication kind of from the inside out. And so, so the kind of the work I do really like brings together those two things. Cause kind of in that parenting world, I would get so frustrated with them because as I studied and learned, I went to trainings, I got certifications, and it would all be like, just just pause and respond this mm -hmm. way. And I would be so frustrated because there's <laughs> so much information before just pause yes. and respond this way. Um, so it really brings those two things together. Well, I think in the moment when life gets so hectic, you know, a person is parenting the child, one, two, however many children they have, but you have so many responsibilities in that moment. And so your, your mind is multitasking so many things. And so you only have so much emotional emotion that you can give per, per thing you're doing. And so with that, when one doesn't go right, it all of a sudden exceeds the threshold of our stress, of our stress overall. And then we respond in a way that is obviously greater than what the situation warrants, which is considered overreacting. When you look back on your life, do you see a huge difference as far as, or perhaps even finding more compassion for yourself when you were younger with your, with your first daughter that, as opposed to today? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I have a lot of compassion mm -hmm. for myself. <laughs> it was really hard. You know, it's really hard for, for parents with young kids. Like we're so isolated. It's really set up. Our whole lifestyle is set up badly for parents with young kids. We we're not you know, it, it's kind of crazy making for any one mm -hmm. person to be with like a two-year-old for 24 hours a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, forget about multiple two-year-olds. I had a, a, I had a client in Mindful Parenting with like three three-year-olds and I was, you know, oh my gosh. triplets. It's Holy like, moly. Oh my gosh. You know, so yeah, but it's the unfortunate fact is that this is our biology mm -hmm. that when we have too much stress, mm -hmm. it just takes a little bit or, you know, really like when people ask me, how do I stop yelling? One of the biggest things we need to do is just reduce our overall stress because mm -hmm. then you have no bandwidth exactly. or anything. And so like all of those things, like getting enough sleep, which is incredibly hard or getting support, you know, seeing friends, exercise, you know, eating well, all of those things really matter a lot, you know, even before you get to a mindfulness practice. Well, th that makes me think about uh, just overall, just self-care. How, how would you define self-care yeah. for a working parent? Uh, when I say working parent, obviously with a child, they're, they're with them all the time. How would you define that? And how would someone be able to, to get self-care? 
or create self-care for themselves. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. Sometimes we tend to think of it like women think of like a manicure or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you know, that's not what I'm talking sure, about. Exactly. Um, I really think of, a, a, you know, a mindfulness practice, practices to take care of your your body, your mind, mm. habits to steady the heart, mind, and nervous system are really about taking care of the whole you, the whole self, right? So, you know, taking care of your your body, getting enough exercise, getting enough sleep, um, seeing friends, you know, you're taking care of your heart, um, you know, getting, you know, alone time, all of those things really matter. And it sounds like a tall order and it kind of is. And I understand that I want to just point to that, like that, like there's some systemic things that we could mm -hmm. be doing a lot better to support families. But ultimately when we don't take care of our, like we have, the, and also like women have this whole mommy martyr mindset, which is like so detrimental that we're going to just deplete ourselves for the sake of our children or put our kids yeah. ahead of ourselves. And that's so detrimental for kids and for moms because then you're modeling, like mm -hmm. not valuing yourself and, and then you don't have enough in your cup to like give any at all. Right. Like it's, it's, it's really an insidious kind of meme that, that can take hold in our minds. But, but what I really see is that this kind of self-care with habits that are steadying the heart, the mind and the nervous mm -hmm. system are, this is not like selfish. This is our responsibility. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. it's our responsibility because that's how we show our kids how to, they take care of themselves is by doing it for ourselves. And going back to the first thing I said at the beginning of the interview, when that woman was like, I have no time for this. And I'm really glad you differentiated between not getting a manicure, which people can do, of course, but that's not what really self-care is. And that brief split second moment when you can have do whatever the technique is you want, but it doesn't have to be this long extended version of it. And so figuring yeah. out for yourself, those quick little snapshots of things you can do and the techniques you can do allows you to reset yourself. What's so important is to give yourself the ability, the compassion and the, the resources to say, I can reset within a couple of seconds and that's okay for now. So I may have another, maybe another hour or two that I'll probably have to reset again. But the point is, is that you can, when you understand the small nuances and the small little things you can do, you find that you can rejuvenate yourself much more quickly as it as opposed to being completely depleted by the end of the day and you have nothing left to give. Yeah, I think just I'm hoping, dear listener, what you get from this is that it should be a big priority. And yeah, exactly what you're saying, James, like it, it can be really small. So a lot of people say like, I don't have time to meditate. Are you kidding me? I don't, I want to, you know, there's another thing to do. And it's crazy because it actually gives you more time in a kind of a weird way because until we start to um, steady our minds and steady our hearts. And then, you know, and before we do that, our minds tend to like ruminate and cycle back and, and kind of keep pulling us like in a, like if we're in a kind of a downward spiral about something, we keep going down and meditation mm -hmm. can give us that ability to interrupt that and stop that, which frees up all this like time and energy. But also it doesn't take a lot of time either. Like, if you have five minutes to spend on social media. <laughs> good point. Very good which, point, Hunter. <laughs> you know, I guarantee we all have five minutes to spend yes. on Instagram or Facebook. Then we, <laughs> you have five minutes that you can sit and do a really short guided meditation. And that will pay such dividends mm, in your life as far as, far as clarity of mind, less anxiety, 
less depression, overall feelings of well-being. But very importantly for parents, it builds a muscle of impulse control. It helps us calm that, that instantaneous reactive place. And that gives us that, that like pause muscle, which mm-hmm. is so, so vital. It certainly is. Before we jump into your book, uh, Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids, I wanted to ask you, in your, in your book and in your mindful parenting courses, do you talk about the difference between a parent, consciously or unconsciously, wants to create an, an optimal environment for their, child, for their children versus more of a realistic version of what that, what that would look like? And so if we have this optimal version, in other words, this perfect version of how we want to raise our children. So therefore they can't experience any pain or, or can't experience any quote negative emotion. We put ourselves in this hypervigilant state of trying to create the perfect world for them. And if, as you know, of course you can't maintain that. Do you talk about ways in which to help parents differentiate between what's, what's optimal versus what's realistic and what they can actually provide? Hmm. I mean, I think the thing about a mindfulness practice is it gives us a lot of clear seeing Mm -hmm. and we talk a lot about good enough parenting as Mm -hmm. well. And good enough parenting is a term coined by um, Winnicott, a researcher like in the 1950s, I think, where, you know, like it. Optimal or perfect is just not an option. (laughs) It just doesn't. All that means if you're going for that, it just means that you're in a perpetual state of never good enough. Mm-hmm. And it's not good for your kids either. Yeah. Like Translates they to need to have challenges that mm-hmm. like they need to have little disconnections from us, uh, like challenges in their life. They need to have all that stuff so they can learn how to deal with it and move on and get over it. You know, um, they, there's, uh, who, um, Julie Lithcott Haynes, who wrote How to Raise an Adult, she came on the podcast and talked about how college ad- admissions counselors call the latest generation of kids like these teacup kids, or maybe really? it was like a few years ago, teacup kids, because they're like fragile little teacups. They've been raised <laughs> by these helicopter parents who are just <laughs> like, do everything for them. Yeah, that's and true. we don't want to do that. Yes. Like, we need to like, we need to be giving our kids opportunities to make mistakes mm-hmm. and mess up. And they need to see us also make mistakes and mess up and repair. You know, it would be terribly hard to live up to somebody who was like, you seem like they were perfect all the time. That would be a tough act to follow. Yeah. Because in doing that, unfortunately, it doesn't allow for emotional endurance for the child to experience something. So to create stress for if a child is experiencing stress, it's important to teach them what techniques you use and how to help them work through it. So obviously, we're not going to put stress in their life. But when they are struggling, you allow them to, to feel some of that. So it allows them when they're older to not be a teacup, <laughs> a teacup adult, I guess. But that's so important to help, help kids recognize that you're going to experience all types of emotions, whether they're happy emotions, sad emotions, mad emotions, whatever they are. Are, but that allows them to, with your practice and with your guidance, to allow them to experience something in a healthy way and to respond in a healthy way, which then gives them the platform. So when they have children, they'll then be able to respond in a healthier way as well. Exactly. We, we need to live what we want our kids to learn. We need to show them, you know, and, and sometimes people make the mistake of thinking like mindful parenting is like being calm all the time. And that's not true. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> you know, we're going to have, we're going to build, you know, kids do like annoying, destructive, like all kinds of immature things by definition, they're kids, you know, and you're going to feel frustrated and, you know, and, and all of those feelings. And 
that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay for your, your kids to see that you have those feelings. And, but what, what the beautiful thing is, if you, if they can also see you recognizing those feelings in a healthy way, Oh, I'm so frustrated right now, rather than what's wrong with me. I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. I'm a terrible yeah. person. Right. And like saying, I'm frustrated, you know, I'm feeling really frustrated right now. So I think I'm going to go splash some cold water on my face. I need a minute. Like that's so helpful. You're modeling emotionally healthy regulation. Mm-hmm. You're showing them how to, a, a way to take care of their feelings. And you know, you're human, you're being authentic yeah. and real with them. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the aspect of not creating the optimal version of what parenting looks like, because as we said earlier, that's unattainable. So I love the fact that you have every moment be a teachable moment for parents to help guide and model uh, the behavior, healthy behaviors for their children. Tell me more about your mindful parenting courses. Well, mindful parenting goes, it's, uh, it brings together those, all those things that I got so frustrated with. <laughs> or, well, it brings together all those mindfulness tools that, and that inner work, those inner work tools that we really, really need. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, p- parents are often very like fixated on, okay, like, how do I get my child to listen to me? And And that's really important, you know, so we have all those communication skills too, but the first work we do is in developing a mindfulness practice and even understanding maybe our triggers from childhood, doing some work around that and practicing self-compassion, practicing to learning how to take care of our difficult feelings because most of us weren't taught that, right? So having a, having a clear method to be be able to take care of our difficult feelings and calm our reactivity. And then it brings all that inner work, which just helps to ground us, to center us, to um to to helps us to to not um to let go of trying to control them so much so that we feel better, right? We're helping ourselves feel better. And then and then and then, um, and then all those communication skills so that you can learn how to resolve problems and help your kids resolve problems without resorting to like threats and punishment, mm-hmm. which sure. create resentment. So it's really about understanding our needs and being able to express your own needs and create boundaries for your kids around your own needs. And then also under, you know, being able to solve problems that you know, in ways that everybody gets their needs met. So it brings together these communication skills that have, you know, have been around since the sixties and seventies that are so, so vital Mm -hmm. with that inner work. And together it's a pretty unstoppable combination, which is cool. Yeah, it really is. I really like the fact that you just allow parents to realize that they have a choice. They don't have to be reactive. They can be, but they have other choices and other opportunities to once again, demonstrate healthier behaviors. But sometimes when we forget in the moment that we do have choices, we do respond in autopilot. So it's wonderful that your mindfulness practices, your mindful parenting courses really help people have that ability to say, what are my options right now? And what's the healthiest response that I'm able to give in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. And I really think it's for people who are like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so reactive that I feel like I couldn't do a meditation practice. <laughs> like it's totally for you if yeah. that's you, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like that because, you know, going back to everything we were talking about earlier, just the whole thing, mindfulness, it's like you said before, it doesn't have to be this long-winded, long-winded, um, you know, techniques. It's something that's so practical. So it's great that your, your mindful parenting courses really teach that. But transitioning real quickly into the book, because we only have a few more minutes. So once again, Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Break 
breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. I was reading the reviews that you have on Amazon and they're wonderful. So many people have said wonderful things about this book, how it's changed their lives, how it's helped them just really understand, like I said earlier, the choices and how to just be a healthier parent and a non-reactive parent as well. Because there's nothing worse than trying to be the best you can be. And then years later, when your kid is in therapy, <laughs> talking to me, <laughs> saying, well, you did this and you did that. So it's so good to hear that you are on the cutting edge of helping people find their way and navigate their parenting styles. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. What's next for you? Oh, gosh. Well, one thing I'm working on, which is very exciting, I'm doing a mindful parenting teacher training program. So I'm teaching parents and and there's all kinds of people who are in the program who to teach it in their communities, which is really Mm, cool. And we have teacher trainees in like Australia and Sweden and U.S. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really impressive. I know you also have a podcast as well. Tell me more about that. Oh yeah, the Mindful Mama podcast. I love doing the podcast. Yeah. Obviously, I get to learn <laughs> from <course>. people, <laughs> but so many great people. Um, you know, I've had incredible guests on, like Sharon Salzberg and uh-huh. Dan Siegel, and and it's just a joy for me to. I think that uh, you know uh, somehow I I, I love talking. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty easy for me to talk, yeah. but um, but yeah, I I. I don't know what to say about the podcast. There's so much there to explore so many different pieces of, you know, from all about kids to understanding ourselves to like being able to create an optimal home environment Mm -hmm. for kids. And, you know, there's just a lot there to dive into. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. You have done incredibly well. I've learned so much from you already. If my listeners want to find out more information about you, to purchase your book, One More Time, Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids, where will they find all this information online? At mindfulmamamentor.com. Wonderful. My listeners know that if they can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will link you with Hunter. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest today. I truly appreciate all your expertise. Thank you so much, James. I really, it's been a pleasure. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.